Welcome to episode four of the podcast. Today we're going to talk all about bodybuilding. We're going to take a quick delve into the history of bodybuilding and we'll talk about what it is, um, the various federations of bodybuilding across the world, the categories, and what it actually takes to be a professional bodybuilder. Um, before I met Leon, I had, I had no idea about bodybuilding. In my mind, it was just sort of these really huge guys on stage and thongs, and they had really bad fake tans. Opposing trunks. And <laughs> that, that's all I really thought about it. And I think that's the, the way most people see bodybuilding. Um, but in fact, it, it, it's, a, it's a whole new world, and it really takes the most incredible level of dedication to get you know to to that physique and so we thought that would be a really interesting topic to discuss today yeah, yeah. so i think uh Sorry. yeah andy we'll start with uh yeah you give us the history and yeah you sound like a good historian you, on bodybuilding yeah, yeah history is like my favorite topic in general um, so, yeah, um, so bodybuilding dates back to um, really early, like Greek, Roman, but it was more about the build being strong. They used to have Olympic shows of strength, and there's a lot of wrestling at the time. And, you know, guys generally were lean because it was a hard time to be alive. And you, know, you look at the old statues, Roman and Greek statues, and there's a certain aesthetic appearance to, to the guys. And so that was relevant, you know, to, to the time. Um, but, you know, modern bodybuilding pretty much dates back to Eugene Sando. Yeah. Eugene Sando was, um, you know, a German, but German living in the UK. He used to do um, carnivals and fairs and fates as a curiosity, essentially. Um, he, you know, was into his training, super strong. Uh, so he, in 1901, hosted the first ever bodybuilding show in the UK. And interestingly, one of the judges was Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote Sherlock Holmes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Jeez. So, oh, so there was a general, like, popular culture of bodybuilding, and people was, yeah, super interested in it. Yeah, because before that, guys used to do sort of affairs and things to just be strong. Mm. They were usually like the strong men of today, big guys, big arms, but also a lot of fat. And, you know, as a result, you know, it was one of these things where people were just lifting heavy weights and circus dumbbells, which is still used to strong men events today. Now, the issue is, um, you know, was that, you know, there was an interest in it. And even the royal palace, the British royal family were interested in aesthetics, and one of the princes invited Eugene Sando there, and they trained together. So the first bodybuilding competition was 1901 in the UK. Um, they had they built these trophies, and of interest, they had um, a gold. Uh, the statues were built in Eugene Sando's shape. First place was a gold statue made from gold. Second place was a silver statue made from silver. Third was a bronze. Now, the third place statue has become the most popular statue because that is still what's used today for the Olympia. 
shape. It's a bronze statue in the appearance of Eugene Sando. So, yeah, so that's become the most famous statue. And it was a bronze third place one. So then, I think the first one American show was in 1904 Madison Square Garden. And, you know, that sort of started the American um, sort of involvement in shows. And from there, really, the golden age was the 70s, with the likes of Arnie, Franco Colombo, Frank Zane coming in towards mid to late uh, yeah, 70s. My and, you know, these are when bodybuilding federations were relative, like the 50s, 60s, 70s, you had a few different federations. The biggest one was the IFBB, which is the one Arnie was a um, member of. Yeah. yeah, that's where the Olympia and everything else was sort of set up before. And yeah, and then Jim Mannion had one, I think it was called the American Athletic Union or something, and it was the AAU, but then that didn't go anywhere, and he started the NPC. Yeah. Um, so the NPC started for the amateur side to support the IFBB. And to this day, the IFBB Pro League and the NPC are the, the biggest federations. Um, and, you know, you look at some of the names. Arnie's probably still the most famous bodybuilder of all time. Yeah. Although he's not the, the greatest bodybuilder of all time. He's yeah. the biggest and most famous bodybuilder, the biggest, you could say, um, ambassador for bodybuilding of all time. Especially actually, for the movies. Yeah, you've got Roddy Coleman, who's probably the greatest bodybuilder of all time, or Dorian Yates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dorian Yates, if he hadn't had so many injuries, he'd probably gone on to win a load more Mr. Olympias, or you know, Phil Heath. You know, these are some of the greatest bodybuilders of all time. But Arnie's the one people still know to stay. He's in the film still. Yeah. You yeah. know, he still runs the Arnold Expos. He's still very much a very good ambassador for the sport. You know, and then you've got the, the likes of you know other good ambassadors, Jay Cutler. You know, he's a modern Olympian who does a lot behind the scenes to promote you know being a good role model in bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, bodybuilding's got a rich history. Uh, it's been around since, let's say, ancient Greek times, Roman times. You know, um, and you know when you think carving of statues and stuff, there's always been, I think, an interest in human anatomy and physique mm -hmm. you know what is kind of male what's seen as sort of strong male qualities and attractiveness has always been there muscular it hasn't always been like you know these gross bodybuilding proportions you see on some guys nowadays when i say gross i mean actually you know, i quite think it's amazing but, but it's impressive yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> the mass monsters but yeah. you know it's not necessarily you don't want to look like that looking, oh, wow that's, that's awesome yeah like good women to look looking, at. that's sexy yeah. Yeah. but the fact is to a certain degree muscle always has been whilst the women's physique at different times in history has been attractive in different forms you know a bit curvy a bit super skinny at different times men's has always been quite constant and i think that's why men's bodybuilding has always been there. Women's bodybuilding, on the other hand, not so much bodybuilding, but different categories. From like, yeah. So when did geez. women's bodybuilding sort of start? Um, I think the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, 
which I'm not saying on women's bodybuilding, but it stopped. Actually, women's bodybuilding was kicked out of the Olympia a few years ago by, uh, what's the the company you bought? IMI or whatever, who bought the Olympia rights. They um, stopped women's because they just didn't find it appealing and it wasn't such, it was a very niche thing, so there wasn't the support for it. But now Jake Woods bought the Olympia off from He's been pushing to women's wings of strength and there's like women's physique and stuff. And now women's sort of bodybuilding's probably gonna make a comeback. Yeah. Well but like, you know, it sort of softened women's bodybuilding to in recent years it's mainly the bikini figure at the top end. Yeah, well should we go into that a little bit more? Because I yeah. think a lot of people see that maybe on uh, Instagram or hear about it, and there are for men and women different categories um and again those categories will change depending on what federation you're yeah. competing under so why don't you tell us about the the men yeah for the men i think there's a we'll start with starts with men's physique yeah then goes yeah. to so men's physique, men's physique. is a, a sort of a, an achievable yeah, what do you say beach well. body look well it's meant to be an achievable <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's <laughs> in quotes <laughs> for the amateurs <laughs> yeah when you look at the amateurs maybe but the pros they're there so it's a kind of beach body look they wear uh, board, shorts board shorts on stage yeah. and you want nice broad shoulders you yeah, know, back. Snatched waist. The easy, the easy way to look at it is the upside down Dorito. Yeah. <laughs> wide clavicles, tiny waist, but we're not worried about what's underneath that waist. Yeah. Maybe some good calves. Good calves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. worried too much about big quads. And, and generally, what would you say your body fat percentage has to be for men's physique? Look, it's still probably single digits. Yeah. Not yeah. Any single digits. Traditionally, it's... though, it was a lot softer. Yeah, it started. But when it uh, first came out, it was a real soft. When Steve Cook was the champ. Yeah, so I mean, men's physique is actually not that uh, old. No, no, it's quite a new category, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's only a few years old. Um, was it like 2015? Yeah, and I think Pro? Steve Cook won. The... 2015, Pro, maybe 2014. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I won. I think in the amateur has been around since all the time. Some, some other smaller federations. Yeah. 2012 and things like that and even the yeah because yeah, the first that was the first show then olympia i think it was mark anthony who won the first one yeah and yeah back then i think the the posing wasn't even that refined they were just coming up with it and just learning what kind of poses they can do for men's so, physique i mean even now the men's even the physique posing, posing is not, not as pageant-y. intricate as yeah. uh, the other categories it's it's very okay. It's oh, very pageanty, yeah. Very, yeah. Just look, Do you want to go look pretty. And... Trees, <laughs> yeah. Tell everyone the man the tree. Oh, Jesus. Or to turn to the right. I know, guys. Um, guys think there's so many. You see very weird dancing and flamingo peacock kind of stuff, but the poses they always check. There's the front, uh, back, yeah. and pretty much side. Which is even yeah. not that that keen. So it's it's more mandatory. It's front pose, side pose. Then when you do your your what is it called? The eye walk. It's just you presenting those parts of yeah. you front and back in the best angles you can. There's no 
Yes. Dancing. So you'll or... have front, front relax. Yeah. Where it isn't relaxed. The tension just shit out your abs. <laughs> um, and then you have to smile. Overhead, <laughs> overhead hands. So it's almost a front double bicep, but not really. But PCA um, do that a lot. Is, yeah. And um, then rear, rear relaxed and rear overhead. Yeah, I think. And then side. Yeah, because PCA have sometimes some federations abs and just abs overhead overhead abs shot. Yeah, like um, the most like I know it's New York Pro where they do just front back get out. Yeah, even uh, even when I did the amateur Olympia, it was like uh, number I don't even remember my number, and then you enter the stage and it's like you have ten seconds to. Showcase yourself. I'm like 10. <laughs> That's not enough. Well, but... just just to put it into context here, <laughs> yeah. Andy and Leon fit into men's physique. Yeah. Yeah. But currently, I'm... currently. Yeah. It's because. <laughs> so, uh, would would you would it be fair to say <laughs> that men's physique is a stepping stone to? Yeah. You know what? I think it should go back to how it almost originally was, a lot softer, or get rid of it, because the problem is now, and this is just my view. I don't. This might not be shared. I would get rid of men's physique. I think we've discussed it's this. It's got stuff. too big. Yes, yeah. yes. It, that was it's, a real it's eye It's not opener. meant to think yeah. anymore as such. The, the guys, even at amateur shows now, are classic bodybuilders or bodybuilders coming down who don't have necessarily the best legs. Yeah. And that's it. Like Some of the guys are bigger than classic because they the have, white men's physique is have no cut done off in height done in height categories rather than height weight ratio so classic bodybuilding is done in height weight ratios which is the Class, next uh, physique isn't. so physique. therefore you have really big guys as long as they fit into height class can look massive and you know and i've seen it and you know at the pro level guys are you know walking around 200 you know in the off season 250 pounds getting down to about 200 pounds for show, super dry, super shredded, yeah. massive shots, just don't do anything with your legs. <laughs> so you're like, some of the guys have massive legs as well, and you're like, well, why aren't you doing classic? Yeah. And you know, that I don't get it. If you've got good legs, do classic. So I think you've got two options for physique. We've either got to rework it and have maybe high weight ratios that are smaller than classic, or um, go for a softer look again. Which is not or going to happen. Just get rid of it. Yeah, because yeah, when we were in the UK last year, I mean, the guys yeah. competing with Leon were, were massive, and yeah, and, and some of them, the, and, and they were, yeah, exactly. If you know Leon, you know he's not exactly and tiny, the, and some of these guys were in there. But then come, then come to the backstage and switch into classic physique trunks. Oh. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh. you can enter more than one class. Yeah, <laughs> if you meet the height weight ratios for a classic. Yeah. You do men's physique because they don't care how heavy you are. And then yep. it's it's all for the hustle and the side for the pro card. You just Yeah, do I was gonna what say a lot can. of guys do men's physique to get their pro card. And then leave men's physique. Okay, <laughs> and so they go crazy and bulk right up for classic. classic yeah. Okay, so so we've got men's physique, then we've got classic, which is sort of the next step the next up where you yeah. are now in trunks. Not butch shorts. Yeah. Nice little cute trunks. Yeah, classic, classic trunks. trunks. So yeah. Sorry. So ass cheeks. Yeah, like 70s trunks. Cheek than the open body yeah, but we, 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 we get a bit of leg. A little, little, a little bit of yeah, leg. Yeah, it's a lot of leg. All the leg. Yes, so you get the leg. And I suppose with classic, it's going back to, like, 
if you had asked me who my favourite classic bodybuilder was, I would probably say Sergio Olivia or, you know, sort of that ilk. Big guys still. Um, Arnie, Sergio. You know, some people like Frank Zane, but I think he's more men's physique look. Yeah, now he'd be men's physique. <laughs> yeah, he would. He wouldn't even... No, he'd... he'd be even small for men's physique. Yeah. Um, so, but look, the fact is, in those times, legs weren't as developed as they are now. If you look now, it's like crazy slabs of meat mm-hmm. thrown onto a skeletal. But classic is my favourite class. If you look at the likes of Chris Bumstead, or, you know, Brian. he's got like this physique, it's almost Arnie-esque. Yeah. You yeah. know, very natural, nice lines, but a lot of muscle. Yeah, the legs are like not Brian. as crazy, but they're yeah. still muscular. So just to throw in a little bit of spice here, so to get to classic, can you be natural? Yeah. You can at amateur level. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amateur level, most think, people are. But it depends, well, on, the, like, it depends on your federation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, here's... And the competition you choose, too. Like, the IFBB League, or whatever it's called. Um, IFBB Elite. Yeah, you could be a classic in that, but let's be real. If you want to be an IFBB pro leaguer and be classic, you ain't going to do that. And to be fair, you ain't going to be a pro level physique guy and be natural either. Yeah, because you... you know, none in, of those men's physique are natural. None of the classic guys are natural. Because most of them turn pro natural and then from there it's, it's one of those you either want to compete and you know what you yeah. have to do or... Take a step back. Maybe yeah. maybe just getting the pro card was someone's goals, but yeah. more guys are getting bigger, the more the I'd say the drugs come into play. And then to I, be I say go on. So now I was gonna say then to be in the next category, you I mean you to be bodybuilding you have to be yeah. on something. Yeah, because yeah, in the seventh the thing yeah. it, I was having this conversation with someone today. Yeah. And I said, if you get to that pro level and you start as a natty, you want an even playing field. And the only way to even that playing field is to take the drugs. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know who you know, everyone is. So at pro league level, which is where the Olympia is, you know, I always think the biggest, the biggest stage in the world is the Olympia stage. But to be on that stage, you do have to take performance enhancing drugs. You have to take anabolics. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. just a fact. Yeah. You will not be standing on Olympia stage at any category. And this is actually even women, right? Even if you look at the women's categories, there isn't a person standing on that Olympia stage isn't taking something. Maybe there's a bikini girl, but nearly most of those are taking anima. Yeah, they, you know, they need or, to be lean. Or something so, like Clem or something. Okay. Well, we'll, you know, we'll go into what those are. Yeah, yeah, yeah in another yeah, episode. Yeah. Anyway, but um, <laughs> the fact is... There isn't anyone on an Olympia stage not on, in my view, on performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, it's uh, even, and um, I think it's it's just because bodybuilding is known for that, but I think even in other sports, people secretly do. Sports is big money business. They just talk about it. Yeah, they just do it. I know professional rugby players who've taken steroids. I know Olympic athletes who've taken steroids. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not talking one or two, we're talking majority of them. Yeah. Yeah. And same with nearly every top tier sportsman, because it's marginal gains, and it's just about not getting caught for them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But true, a cycle, true. when it comes to a race, they come off cycle and push off. You just but have... I suppose 
and hope not to get tested. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, so, anyway. um, you guys talk a lot about getting your pro card. Can you explain that a little bit more? Oh, geez. Hmm. So, I think different federations have different um, ways in which they give pro cards, but not uh, normally it's for the top overall guys. So, yeah. I know they're trying to make it harder. So, for most competitions now, they're doing overall. It used to be. I guess some, depending on how many guys are registered or what location or how much competition is there, they'll do the overall just to make it super hard. Yeah. But some competitions that are less and they're growing, they would probably give everyone that's top of their class. So it also just depends on the competition and the federation. Because I, I know... Well, yeah. I think you've got to realize in every single category we've talked about, so... Physique, classic, open, or 210 or whatever. And, and figure. You know, at the amateur level, you've also got classes within those. Yes, yeah, different so heights. So you've got your height classes weights. in men's physique, also masters, which I compete in for us older gents. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, then the open. And then, so the winners of each class ballot could, out. Yeah, they could. And then you get an overall competition between the winners of all the classes. And the person who wins that overall is usually the person who wins a pro card. Yeah, because it's... But not every single show. Not every single show is the pro qualifier. Yeah, like but the, why sorry. would you... Sorry, why would you want a pro card? Well, because you can only win prize money mm-hmm. when you're a pro. pro card. Yeah, because I remember with the show I did, the men's physique guys, we were 200 up. Two, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like there was we, an ocean of you. Yeah, guys were an leaving the you. show at eleven at night, and we were there from about seven. And I think men's physique had the most guys because you know the I'll do air quotes attainable physique. Yeah, and yeah. we were maybe from the shortest height class to the tallest guys in the open class for men's physique. We were we were about two forty. So yeah, when so you're doing overall, <laughs> so one person was going to get a pro card from yes. all of you. And, yes. Yeah, only one person. Exactly. That's insane. And so it's, I mean, it can it's, take years. Yes, it can take years. The pro cards. It's it's a patient it man and woman's sport or discipline or exactly. art, whatever. And the important thing to you know is also to realize men's physique and women's bikini new categories. They're also the most popular categories. So probably the, one of the hard this now to get pro cards in because they are so popular yeah and you know there is more shows than there used to be and if you talk to some older bodybuilders some really hardcore guys they're very about like people are throwing around pro cards like confetti yeah they're but not happy there's also it. different federations so you can be a pro card holder of a random federation it doesn't mean a lot mm-hmm. right you might be able to win a small amount of prize money you know i compete generally in a pca which is just a nice um, federation, and they have pros. Their pro cards are really hard to get, because even if you win the overall, doesn't mean you're going to get a pro card. They've got to decide you're so good that you deserve a pro card. Wow. Right? Okay. I know guys who win, who've won the world championships, don't have pro cards. So, you know, with that, they're really selective, but we don't hand them out, and then they have these little pro shows. They're not big. The pro, sh- the pro card everyone wants is that IFBB Pro League card. That's where the big prize money The big sponsors. They have the big shows, the big sponsorships, but 
you know, for the Olympia stage, the Arnold stage, you know, even appearing on one of those stages. Even as an amateur. Sponsorships. Mm. Even as an amateur, it's one of those places if you're, if someone sees potential, it's it's like the best stage to get sponsors and... um, if you if you win as an amateur the Arnold Ohio, mm-hmm. you automatically get a qualification for the Arnold Pro because you get your pro card and straight away we say you can appear next year at the Arnold Classic, okay. which then will catapult your whole career. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, what kind so, of prize money are you looking at? So yeah. the Olympia is the biggest prize, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's not a huge amount of money. It is a huge amount of money at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Other, compared to other sports, it's not. And for the amount yeah. of dedication that goes into it, it's probably not a huge amount of money. But it's a sponsorship. Yeah. If you win the Olympia, you're in, well, you used to be in every single magazine on every single cover. Now you're probably on every single podcast, every yeah. single YouTube. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, invite, you, know, you get a big sponsorship with a supplement or gym company, clothing companies. You get appearance guys, money. You know, yeah, they okay. pay you enough to live on. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you can make a career out of it. That's the thing. For a lot of pros, it's about get, winning a show and getting enough sponsorship that you don't have to have another day job. Mm-hmm. You can concentrate solely on bodybuilding. Yeah. Like any professional athlete wants to concentrate solely on their and, and bodybuilding, you do because we'll, we'll later on we'll get into what it actually takes. And uh, you know, if you're doing it on top of a, a day job, it is hard. So yeah. should we well, should yes. we um, look at the women's? So yeah. so it's sort of similar. You've got a bikini is like uh, men's physique. So like you said, yeah. um, quote unquote, an achievable bikini look. So that is huge emphasis on glutes, um, abs, so a nice small waist, um, and delts. So you've got that sort of mm, kind of X, X sort of... It's like a, yeah, it's like an hourglass. Yeah. Hourglass, figure, yeah. But lean and hourglass. Lean, but not, yeah. not crazy low body fat. Yes, not crazy. In fact, it goes against you if you are too lean, which you do. But again, it's, which they know, should do it's, it's a bit wishy-washy. It's a bit like men's physique. Like the yeah. criteria can be a bit wishy-washy. Is it not too lean? Yeah. But not too... Lean. Yeah, it's one of those... Yeah, like it's, 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 it's a bit hard. Yeah. It's one it of is, those, they say, depends on how the judges are feeling on that day. Are they going to reward yeah. the super lean or the very, you know, yeah, let's let's set the tone with a softer look. Well, I, my problem with women's bikini, it isn't the problem with the girls doing it, it's the actual, certain federations especially, over-sexualise it. Some of the posing <laughs> is purposely done to be a bit more sexual. Um, Sells yeah. more tickets. FBB is actually a lot better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But some, there's some other ones like, well, these like Miami Pro and stuff, and you know, there's like little subcategories. And you know, mm-hmm. PCA do a couple of different versions of bikini, like, you know, uh, bikini, train bikini, tone bikini, which is like, you know, different levels of leanness. So you can mm-hmm. be a bit more muscular mm-hmm. do bikini. Um, before, because there's a step between figure and bikini is quite a big jump. Yes. But some women are a little bit more naturally shredded. So it's hard to sometimes enter an IFBB or an NPC show, as it will be now. It's NPC world is like a, a feeder for the IFBB Pro Leagues. Yeah. Uh, 
so like women's bikini flat is still not too lean it's, you know nice full of you know full of glutes and but and the problem is you're trying to give an hourglass figure which then results in most of the women entering having boob jobs yes yeah true yep yep true. yep um and, and then also and now there's wellness wellness fits in nicely which i don't know about your and wellness hasn't been really well defined yet Not but yet. i remember luke sando talking yeah. about this and i agree with him yeah, it the, should be listen to crazy glutes and legs on a woman you yeah. know like as in maybe that should be the distinction between that and bikini they've got a lot more developed lower half yeah like the cartoons because yeah, bikini you <laughs> yeah. can't have big quads like you, no. you know no. points are taken off if you've got yeah. big quads it really is just glutes but personally yeah. i i enjoy watching figure I, okay well we'll, we'll get where so we, we'll get to figure so we've got bikini yeah. wellness yeah. and then you like and then <laughs> i know i'm <laughs> yeah no it's hint it's hint hint it's like uh-huh. clear uh-huh. hint okay. hint well, I, I would definitely. Right, wellness, I think wellness is one of these things that's been shoehorned in a little bit, mm-hmm. and like they're still finding its feet. Yeah. But it is, it is for women that have naturally bigger legs, and then you know, and I do like, I do think when it's done properly, it's a really nice cat. Could be a really good category because it, you know, it does cater for leg development. Yeah. But again, it's about having a tiny waist larger hips and legs so now we just need to hope they form good criteria and it doesn't spiral out like men's physique where guys are coming with crazy crazy shredded looks which which was not meant and it could go that way because it hasn't it hasn't found its foundation yet and you can look show to show and see vast differences yeah women's wellness category yeah. So, um, and not every federation is doing a wellness category yet. So, you know, it's, it's still, most of the federations, it's still bikini figure to speak mm-hmm. well, for women. Yes. Okay. So, but we're, figure, let's go on to figure fitness. so Leon can talk about his favorite. Okay. Talk, tell us about figure women. <laughs> no, Why I, do you like I, that? I, I, what do I, I need know, to I do? Just, I just like the, the, there's, it's like you said with the, um, from the beginning of bodybuilding, you know, the muscle, it shows, it has a, yeah. there's that aspect of work, hard well, work. Well, it's too. nice that you can develop your upper body. Yeah. I like that bit. Yeah. And then yeah. whether, and yeah, and then whether, you know, like I, I feel mostly like bikini. It's more, you know, genetically gifted girls. You can like the bitch body if you're, if you're genetically yeah. gifted. They work hard. The girls bikini work hard, but it's not the same dietary torture. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's because that's the big thing. You don't have to be so diced. Yeah, and then you, 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 you don't have to lift with that crazy intensity. You know the yeah. figure girls need yeah, to the heavy loads and stuff. Because mm. yeah. I would say with bikini, the girls, all the girls in it work really hard. All they the do work yeah. hard, yeah, yeah. but it's a different type of hard work. Because the hard work is actually trying not to get too lean. Too lean, yeah. <laughs> or, or doing enough. You've got to always... It's a really hard balance with women's bikini. That's where the hard work comes in. I think it doesn't get the appreciation recognition enough because it's, it's really hard to get that balance. Wherefore, I think with figure, it's easier in some ways, but hard work, in, especially with dieting, and for women to, say, get that lean and have that much muscle... Yeah, it's not as big as the physique girls, but it's hard. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of the figure women, even at amateur levels, there's a lot of steroid usage, figure, lady mm-hmm. figures, but figure still feminine. Yes, yes, and that's you know, uh, I like that's that. That's all point. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Feminine muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then from there. So then figure, we get into physique. Yeah, yeah, that's also a good one. When you love women's bodybuilding as yeah. it now is. <laughs> um, so those girls, you know, they're big. They're big ladies, as in like the muscles on them is super impressive. Yeah. Yeah, women, women's bodybuilding in general impresses me, like because it's harder for women. Yeah, they don't have that, those levels of testosterone. But the problem is, so to get to that level, a lot use anabolics. Mm-hmm. And the problem with anabolics is, and it's always funny, like you hear women talk, you know, I've mentioned this before, women talk about side effects of anabolics. They're not the side effects, they're butt effects. You're taking essentially testosterone. Yeah. You will turn slowly into looking more manly with using a lot of testosterone. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Because it's a male dominant hormone. So don't expect your voice not to change. Don't expect your, you know, your jawline and, 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 you know, and more you... body hair, yeah. You know, increased clitoris size. These are things that are gonna happen to you because that is like it's like when women go through sex change medication to become a man from a woman. Yeah, testosterone is, is same thing. Testosterone, super levels of testosterone. Yeah. So you are basically getting those effects of testosterone. So at the top end of physique, there's a few women, and you know, also Wendy McCready in the UK, she still looks very feminine and stuff. Um, the song Who's Done Physique for a long time. You know, it's about not pushing too hard, I suppose, on the anabolics on that side, but yeah, yeah, women yeah, no, I think yeah, it's, it's so impressive the way that um, in the men's category, the, 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 the massive guys are so impressive. You, you don't necessarily want to look like them, but, you know, when you know what goes on behind the scenes to look like that, the dedication, it is, it is very impressive. Yeah. And I, I've seen Iris Kyle in the flesh. I... And when she was with Hadidi in, um, where was I, Portland, oh, in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she's impressive. Like, you know, would I, do I find her attractive? No. Yeah. But it's not about me. It's not about, it's about, she is super strong. She's super muscular. And for what she does, you know, women like her are super impressive. It's amazing. It's not yeah. for everyone. It's not for everyone. And, that's okay. It's a niche. It's a very niche thing at the top end of women's bodybuilding. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in the day, women's bodybuilders invented these webcam things. You know, like these you know, sexual webcam and free fans-only pages you get nowadays. <laughs> women's yeah. bodybuilders used to make a lot of money through muscle worship. Muscle worship. It's big business. That's more because there wasn't a sponsorship because yeah. it's so niche. It was never the sponsorship and never the, you know for mainstream portrayal of women's bodybuilding. So they made a lot of money through like private webcam stuff, you know, for, for the guys who do find that attractive, you know? <laughs> wow, Which is, yeah. gosh. There were four, four runners. Wow, four runners of what is currently an Instagram <laughs> sensation of muscle Wow. Well, I mean that, okay, so that, those, those categories, um, sort of go in the IAFVB and then you've got the WBFF and those yeah. are very, very different. Um, 
different federation. Different federation, and they kind of have a fashion element to it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, they do. It's different cause women's categories. There's a certain, you know, we're slightly different categories, and we do have like yeah, women wearing dressing up and wearing. There's like evening wear. There's they, casual. Yeah. and then uh, then costume. costume or something. Even and the men. Yeah, the men dress up too. So that yeah. that must be interesting trying to find a suit that fits a bodybuilder. Yeah, I just, just tailored. Sort of thing, and I know yeah. someone, Vinny, in America who does it. Yeah, even and it's like. Even like Tony a must, you know, it's like a model type thing, and a lot of the guys who win those shows go on to do modeling, fitness modeling, and stuff. Okay. So you know, and if you see Vinny, he does it. He's a very good-looking lad. Yeah. Uh, coached by Ollie, um, and he's won. You know, he's won a few times. You know, an amateur, sh- you know, WBFF amateur. And the other sort of people who do well at those is a bit more pageantry. Mm-hmm. Although it's still the gym element, which is the same. Yeah. But it's a bit more. It's for people who like a bit more, I suppose, showy. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, a bit showy. And, you know, but I think there's a lot of different federations, smaller federations. I think there's even the IFBB non-pro league. There's the IFBB, what is the original almost IFBB, where there's always this want to make bodybuilding Olympic sport. Mm. And, yeah. But as such, on the back foot, because there's no money in it, because it's all like follows Olympic guidelines for drugs and things. And, you know, this is where the Kenyan federations follow because there is this, sort of, for some reason, weird want to make... Obsessed uh, natural. Yeah, make things become a, an Olympic sport or a recognised sport. And, and to a certain extent, bodybuilding is always going to be a niche. Yeah, it's... A... It's a bigger niche with men's physique, but it's like, it's still... It's not, and we're going to this, it's not for everyone. Yeah, wow. I don't think it should be an Olympic sport. I mean, it's... And there are many bodybuilders. You don't need to be talented the way that athletes are. Because mm-hmm. um, you could just be genetically gifted. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and win, so... And yeah, I, it's, it's a weird one. You know, it's... Um, but, like, you know, so there's also this IFBB um, elite... Elite. Pros. Yes. And they do, like... It's not as this is dog tested, with a lot less, a lot less winnings involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the standards a lot less because it does have a drug element. So it's like a, it's like a, a natural federation, but there's bigger natural federations. There's like World Natural Bodybuilding Federations and stuff, where there is good prize money for yeah. natural guys. Yeah, they that, but they're you get big. Drugs yeah. tested. You have to do lie detector tests. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, it's, it's pretty extreme. Um, and I was always asked why, because I'm a natural, why I don't do natural bodybuilding. And all these asked me, this, uh, and I, you know, <laughs> it's not for me in the fact that I want to be in a big race. Yeah. I, you know, if you look, and I said this to Leon so many times, it's like, I see it like motorsport. Everyone should want to be a Formula One driver. Yeah. To me, the Formula One is the IFBB Pro League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to That's race where you get the likes of Michael Schumacher and yeah. Ayrton Senna and all these top famous guys racing and stuff, and where the big money is and on the biggest stage. So I will always chase that. Yeah. That's my yeah. You know, that's because I want to be on the biggest stage. If yeah, you know, even if I never become a pro, at least I know at the amateur shows I've done. Exactly. They're some of the biggest amateur shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? 
you, you both have competed and bodybuilding is... Um, you know, I was you should... competing today. Oh, is it today? Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. I meant to well, come on then. Uh, take off your shirt. Yeah, I'll be no. the judge here. I've taken some diet breaks. I'm probably three weeks to where I would have been. <laughs> but personally, in fact, I haven't trained all week because Ollie, Ollie banned me from training this week because... <laughs> Because my body's over overstretched, so give it a give Time it a to rest. Well, Andy, you know you can do a live, uh, you know, show for the yeah, listeners of the podcast. Yeah, live, live the show. muscle yeah. worship. Yep. I get a little bit leaner, and I'll do a I'll do a naked post on Instagram and get loads of weird Indian followers. Yeah, Actually, men followers. And muscle <laughs> worshippers. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, it's, um, it's weird, but yeah, but here's the thing: it's like I was meant to be competing today, and oh, nice. you know. It's funny, it's COVID-19, we may not see many shows this year, so I may yeah. not end up, my aim now is to compete at the end of the year, Yes. Mm-hmm. but even that's not guaranteed, because it's not the end of this year, it'll be the start of the following year, mm-hmm. you know, and we might call 2020 a write-off almost, but we'll see, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm still keeping keeping going and you know anyway yeah, so, your point. well i was just gonna okay. say it's bodybuilding is not something that you should uh step into lightly you can't suddenly think oh you know i want to look like one of those guys and decide to do it it's a huge mental physical and especially living here financial investment um so maybe let's just start with sort of the the, the sort of physical and uh psychological aspect of it i mean competing yeah. is, is tough well, like we say this a lot you know because bodybuilding is a little bit weird because you know you you, you for, it's not for everyone because it's a 365 days a year 24 hours a day pursuit and people call it a hobby but it's not something like other hobbies where you could pick up and put down and yeah like you know <laughs> even yeah. to a certain degree muay thai and rugby i you, you know you got you know you could put it down for you know like after the rugby season finished we would have a few weeks of doing not a lot and people talk about the off season being like that bodybuilding is not in fact that's almost more structured yeah that's so, when you're trying to put on new it, muscle exactly and it just takes over your life and this is why it's not for everyone because it is literally the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to bed everything is towards progress in some way or another and this is why, like, literally, my day, apart from my working hours, even then, I've got certain structures put in place to allow me to to do what I do. You know, I have meal times. I have to take supplements at certain times. Like, you know, your water. You know, be, you know I take my creatine this time. I'll have a pre-workout drink this many minutes before I start training. You know, and then I've got to get my steps in. And you know, so from the moment I wake up. And to the moment I go to bed, and even bedtimes are done so it's optimizing sleep, <laughs> True. food, your digestion, what time you finish your last meal is to optimize your sleep. So, because even your sleep's not your free time, your sleep's used to make progress. <laughs> so, there is no free time from bodybuilding. And this is why it becomes mentally, mentally draining for a lot of people, but also why most people can't do it. This is why it is a niche sport because you can't pull it down. It's constant and it's a it's a process of consistency. It's for people who can do consistency over years and what become good. It's not you can't just do it for a few weeks. Yeah. And 
it's years of consistency. You know, it could take you ten years to to even be at a level to compete on a winning a top amateur show. And it's like you're doing the same thing every day, just better. Yeah, Groundhog Day. Yeah. But you don't mind that. You don't mind missing the nights out. And this no. is the thing. This is another thing. You've got to be willing to step away from socialising. You've got to be willing to, you know, do the do the hard jobs, knowing like you know, I've had, I've been, you know, I'm a single parent, and my daughter had a whose birthday was it? Uh, it was a sixth birthday. She had a big party. Yeah. And I was dishing out cake and stuff. <laughs> I remember but I wasn't that. I any of it. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it's sweets on the table, but I still, and I'm a parent, so I have to still do the baking and everything else. Yeah. But I still have to monitor my macros. And so if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. And, yeah, you know, so therefore, you know, you've got to be willing to not be involved in that. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to be willing not to, if needs be, step away from all the food you love. Yeah. Because if it's sort of food where you can't pull it down, and just have a little bit. You just don't have it in the house, you know, because it's a temptation. So it's, it's a game for people that are mentally tough, people yeah. who like habits, people who, who are willing to take a long time to do it. And that's why it's not necessarily the healthiest mental sport if you're not in a good, if you're not necessarily in a good mental a health good place. Definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> takes over. Also, it's something that I think people who are obsessive and become quite addictive to things, it's a good sport for them. If you fill your life with healthy addictions rather than potentially drinking a lot or binge drinking on weekends or taking drugs or all these other addictive behaviours, if you can then harness that into, um, into these healthy pursuits, it's a good thing. But, you know, you've got to be able to keep the structure and that's sometimes hard for people, especially, you know. Yeah, so I think that just to get to that level of leanness that you need to be on stage, the dedication to your nutrition is just, I think, beyond a lot of people. And it can take, um, well, I mean, Andy, you, let's say you were competing today, you started to... um, a lose body fat when in when was it, it was 20 weeks out yeah oh, january, january. Yeah. so um i mean a lot of us just see you know i'm gonna get lean in a month two months this is four yeah. five months of continuous dieting and longer it takes longer if you're a natty it takes longer as well people in natty federations who get super shredded like the bodybuilder that is like a bodybuilder often will do 16, 12 to 16 weeks yeah. cuts. A natural guy will tend to do 20, 24 weeks. I've always done know, 20. 30 weeks yeah. of cutting, yeah? Because it's a, it's a slow process. Because don't forget, we could, we always talk about landing the plane. You could just crash land and do it rushing, but you are going to eat away muscle. And mm-hmm. When your 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 aim is is bodybuilding, you've got to show you've built muscle. You've got to show you've got good muscle. You don't want to destroy any of that muscle. Like I'm walking around now, I'm beach lean. I have been probably for um, over a month, but that's not lean enough for a stage. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. And you, well, the problem is now you, a lot of guys 
use Instagram and see how lean stage people are. And they're getting that lean to just go on holiday now. <laughs> Beach scenes become a lot leaner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's. But, yeah. Go. No, I was saying it's just sad how people assume it's very easy. You know, it's. Yeah. Because there's that part. It's it's mental. You're sacrificing a lot. It's it's also. I, I personally find it's just a nice time to focus on myself and build myself both internally and externally. And that's why this, you know, the lean in 40 days, lean in 30, and it's not teaching you anything. You're not learning anything. You're not getting to understand. So I, I like the longer preps and even with clients, you like to teach, you know, there's, there's a reason why we have this certain period for you to you know, get beach lean. We're not getting you to a stage, but we're teaching you how to get there to... Uh, habits. Yeah, to create yeah, the habits because it's actually... I think I saw the post yesterday. It's, it's just much bigger than abs. It's the habits you're creating to help you yes. either keep lean as you want or strong or whatever your goals are. So I think that's I think the big part. Guys, forget the habits. It's what you're saying there, the habits... And there's a lot of bodybuilders who go on to do really good in, well in business. And it's because they've got this work ethic and they get on with things and it's a process and it's about creating habits. So a lot of the guys who go on to retire from bodybuilding go on to have very successful business careers because if you can take those habits, waking up early. Look, here's the thing, bodybuilding, you wake up early. Your point is you wake up, you get a glass of water, you may weigh yourself. But you're getting up, and then the first thing you're doing is going to get some steps or doing a little bit of your, your fasted cardio or something. Is it the thing you want to do first thing in the morning? No. Probably not. Is it? <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, someone said this to me, one of my clients said to me the other day, how would you stay motivated? And I said, the trick is you don't. I'm not motivated every single day. It's just unrealistic to think I would be. But... I have habits, I have processes. My day is structured around these habits and processes. So the days I don't want to go and do things, it's like when Ollie said this week, I don't want you to train. I was like, a bit lost. Yeah. So you know, I have to replace well, that time with doing something else because that's a block of my day yeah. where I need to do something. <laughs> and that's how my days are formed. So, you know, it's make good habits, but we can become all-consuming yes true and if you're not mentally strong it can be tough and here's the thing and even mentally tough people i always like to think i'm you know i'm quite mentally i've seen a lot in my life and done a lot especially you know war zones in the world and stuff but here's the thing you know in the prep when you're like low body weight your mind plays tricks on you <laughs> and it's a tough place to be you know you think you're, you're really lean and I look back at photos that I refused to post on Instagram because I thought I looked fat. Yeah. And I look back on them and I'm like, what was I thinking? Because that's the reality. Yeah. You know? we that's why it's good to get a coach. Yeah. We were also talking with Clear how if you have an eating disorder, not the best thing for you to do. No. Because I remember... Yeah, I remember I'd, I'd tell her to, you know, like there's... Uh, you know how plain food is not nice. It's, it's not the best. Yeah. <laughs> But I'd tell her, you know, just smell the plain cake or the rice and then tell me how, tell me how it smells. And, and after the prep, you realize that that wasn't that's a good place healthy. to be in. That, that's not good. It's, it's, no, and I'd, the problem is it encourages 
in Cairns, for the long people encourage binge eating. Yeah, yes. very so you do bad eating. And then you binge. If you don't, and a lot of people don't stop that binge for weeks, and it is becomes this disordered eating thing. And that's why I always say to do like, a show, give yourself two days of just enjoying food, but don't go crazy. Just enjoy. Maybe on the show day you can go crazy because you deserve it. Yeah. But then after that, get a control again. Some control. And this is why off-season needs to be structured. Yeah, work because, back into the off-season mm-hmm. slowly. Yeah, you've got because otherwise you're just promoting unhealthy eating habits. And if you go in with uneating relationships with food, if someone came to me and said, I've been bulimic, anorexic most of my life, I would actually turn them away as a client until I knew that was under control. Because you can't run away from that behaviour by taking on bodybuilding. It's yeah. just going to compound it. Encourage yeah, it'll just channel it into a different sort of... Um... Yeah, so get the help first. Yeah. Because, you know, get the help and then get into bodybuilding. And a lot of people use bodybuilding to hide from their demons. And you know, as we see with someone like Luke Sando the other day, Mm-hmm. You know, he committed suicide and he was at the top of his bodybuilding game and he was just still peaking. You just never and, know. You know, because the structure is used for people to distract themselves from their demons, but those demons will persist. And when you are in the middle of prep or you're at low or you've done poorly at a show, we can come back. So it's good to get the help first, then get into bodybuilding if that's still something you want. Don't use bodybuilding as a, a way to escape your troubles because it will probably just compound them yeah yeah and i think you really have to take a long-term view with it you might decide um that you're going to go into a show to achieve a certain goal but you've got to think that you know building muscle takes a long time you need at least a year of you know consistent um weight training under your belt i think before you could even consider um, entering two. a show yeah. even I mean even two I mean you know and especially for women building muscle takes a long long time so if you are wanting to go into bodybuilding and you you're not you know you haven't trained I think you've got a that's going to become a really long-term goal so you need to first build your muscle and then also build up your calories so that when you now go into one of these long deficits you know you've, you're not going to end up on horribly low calories sort of you know 1000 1200 calories um yeah and i think that's why if again if you want to go into bodybuilding and do a show that you should get a coach um i mean leon didn't get a coach but he's very experienced um yeah. and if he competes again he probably will yeah. get a coach yeah no. um i think i did it without a coach just more for my own like study just to learn yeah, what it takes mm-hmm. yeah but now but i think if you take the next step yeah now i think i'm ready yes yeah exactly you're at a level now where you need to take that sort of next step yeah. to you've got a good foundation yeah the... you just need someone now to just take it to the next level yeah, yeah and someone to yeah. take away that responsibility you can't be thinking about your day 100%. job and then trying to calculate all your macros just uh, being cranky anyway it was. and um no you need someone to take that pressure away from you and then you can just because it is a lot implement yeah. it yeah yeah. yeah. if you are doing in your coach and you are programming people's training 
actually one of the last things you want to do when you're in prep is do your own program because mm-hmm. you yeah. don't have the mental energy because you know and this is what people don't realize when you're deep in prep into those last four weeks you are the, you've removed a lot of your body fat and the brain uses a lot of fat and carbohydrates to process thought processes yeah <laughs> so you get a bit foggy in your old head and you're not necessarily thinking as crystal clear as you want so the last thing you want to be doing at the end of your day is say i've dealt with all my clients they've got great programs oh i've got to do my mm-hmm. own now yeah. and you know having to then think for yourself when the last thing you want to do you know it's easier to think about someone else's program than it is your own you know you are going to probably overtrain or over diet well and, that's yeah, that's need, definitely you know, the thing that overtraining looking back at your preps now you overtrained completely major. yeah like we were saying in our program design that, you know, when you're in a deficit, you shouldn't be doing these sort of techniques like drop sets, giant sets, rest pause. Circuit sets. You are totally under training. And I think, and the same with you, Andy, like this week, Ollie's saying, like, take a week off. You need someone probably <laughs> to scale you way back. Yeah, I think. You do need someone to save you from yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I'm going to do an Instagram TV story on this. It's about being saved from yourself. We are... You, you're normally your own worst enemy, especially if you've got a strong work ethic. The thought of taking a day off. And this yeah. is the thing with bodybuilding, as we said, it's a 365, 247, you know, 247 pursuit. You know, the thought of taking a day off feels like you're not going to progress. But sometimes a day off and the rest is your progress. Exactly. You need someone to look in and say, stop, pump yeah. the brakes, like, look- back off, keep your steps, keep your nutrition, but let's take you away from training. Because here's the thing. Last week, my biofeedback was terrible. My, my resting heart rate shot up. It's mm-hmm. normally sub-60. It's normally about 57 to 59. Yeah. It was at 62. All of a sudden, I wasn't sleeping well. Yeah. I was getting enough hours in bed. But looking at how often I woke up in the night, feeling tired when I woke up, you know, these things are telling you your training needs to uh, bring the deload. Mm-hmm. And this is all we've done. We brought the deload forward. I'm, I'm doing a deload week next week yeah, but after rather than break. doing an actual deload we just said look just have a, have a few days off yeah that'd be your deload yeah because because yeah, yeah. for us with prep I don't, I don't think i had a it was just go 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 you wake up and i remember cleo would be like you know you can just rest from your cardio today and i'm thinking no have to outwork the competition week? Yeah. <laughs> so, did, did you train during peak week? Yeah, I did uh, till mm, till two days from show. Did you do cardio? Uh, no, we just did the steps. And... steps. Yeah, we See, just did the steps. Yeah. Like with my last one, Ollie cut my steps right down. He said, "Stop doing the steps. Go do the least amount of walking as you can. <laughs> Go relax. Keep <laughs> a little bit of light training in. Focus only on the upper body. Leave your legs alone." Just get as stress-free as you can for that last week because, you know, the last thing you want is to train because training creates a stress response, cortisol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe you're yeah. sucking a load of water and then you may look worse than if you had taken a week off doing anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that sounds so counterintuitive. So, again, that's why you need yes. someone else 
uh, guiding you through that whole process. Because and I think there are a lot of bad coaches out there. I mean, I've I've never met any, but I've just heard stories from other people. You know, who do who do crazy things in peak week, and you know, if you're not lean enough by then. You know, yeah. nothing, I don't <laughs> exactly. think anything's really going to help you. Peak week's pointless. Yeah. Peak week, if you're not lean already, mm. peak week's just useless. You yeah. might as well use that week to just up. reduce body fat. Yeah. Right? But here's the thing. Women's the worst. Coaches of women, there's so many bad coaches of women. Because don't forget, they will keep women lean all year round. And hormones, and, you know, and this is, women are so much more complicated than men because of this, but the, the this really fine balance of hormones like men yeah. can get away with a bit more because you know it's testosterone and estrogen for us we're just trying to balance those mainly yeah. the women it's like you know you've got constant and then you've got your cycle in there then you, lose, you, know, you lose your menstruation and you, know, you should be doing that for months on end you should only like you should only be that lean for maybe just before show so if you lose one cycle that's okay we can yeah. bounce back from that but if you've spent six months without having a period, <laughs> right, there is going to be a massive knock-on effect to your fertility. Yeah. That's the scale. You're going to damage, you're going to cause some damage, hormonal damage. And, yeah. and a lot of coaches need to put their hands up in bodybuilding and say, I've done damage in the past, I need to be better. Or there's a lot of people need to put their hands up and say, I don't know how to coach women. Well, I th- yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's so important. Like a lot of people have approached me and say, could you coach me for a show? And I'm like, I have no experience with that. I would not be comfortable coaching you at all. And I think, um, you know, if you are looking for a coach, look for an experienced coach who, who, who that, that is, yeah, who's coach women, then that is what they do. Mm-hmm. Your average PT is not going to be able to help you prepare for a bodybuilding for a, for competition. A show, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not to any sort of degree. Yeah, look, I've seen body, women bodybuilding shows they're completely underprepared. Or, but I've seen the opposite, where you see women coming in show after show, never winning because their physiques are tired or they're mm-hmm. stressed. You know, they look ill yeah. in between shows because they are just being kept lean. They are constantly on 1,200 calories or less. I've seen women hitting stage who've been on 800 calorie diets. Oh. You know, that's just wrong. Mm. And then they wonder why women build these unhealthy relationships yeah, with food. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's a real psychological thing. And I think it affects women more than men. If not, let's say, I do think there's a lot of people out there. Bodybuilding does create body dysmorphia. I know I'm body dysmorphic. No matter how lean <laughs> I am, I never think I'm lean enough. Now, no matter how big I get, I don't think I'm big enough. It's but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, you know yeah. I don't think, you know, you know I that... don't think it's necessarily healthy, but I also realise what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I realise the mindset and I'm aware. But there's a lot of people who get in, jump into bodybuilding who don't realise and they think that's normal behaviour. Yeah, com- you got to look back and say, that's not normal behaviour. Yeah, competing. You know, I'm always thinking, oh, jeez, I'm fat. <laughs> and competing if I was to walk around not... with a pair of Speedos, by a pool, people yeah. say that guy's pretty lean. Yeah, you know, that's the you know, If I look at other forty-year-old guys and compare myself to, say, even my brothers, I'm super lean, and you know, I feel fat. You know, so that is why you've got to be super careful with who you allow, who you coach mm-hmm. to bodybuild. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you've got to, you know, because the last thing is it all becoming a very unhealthy. 
Yeah, I think, all year round. I think everyone is. You know, has... I think prep, prep's one thing you can get past that and spend your off season getting back into good mental state. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone assumes just because you lift weights you have to compete, and that's just not the no. case. No. You but that's to... Instagram's fault. Yeah. That's... That is because a lot of people just are chasing pro cards to put on their Instagram IFBB pro True. or whatever WBFF pro. You know, you don't. And there's a lot of good trainers out there training gem pop people who've never competed. Right? You don't have to compete. And it's not... I always think the best people who compete, the best competitive people, are people who come from competitive sport, who've either outgrown the sport as in, you know, you had too many injuries or getting a little bit older, you know, um, you know but you need a competitive outlet. Because essentially, bodybuilding is competitive gym work. You know, it's taking, and sometimes it can take the fun out of gym work. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> when you get to the top end, and I have this with rugby especially, sometimes it stops being fun. It's, it becomes and too you've serious. you got to be careful that. And so, if you're someone who likes training more than the process, competing's not for you. It's not for you. You've got to be able to stop training. You've got to be able to say, hey, today I'm not going to train because it's for my progress. You've got to be okay with that. Or you've got to put in deloads. It's not for the people who love the training so much we don't take a day off from the gym. Because you've got to love the progress more than the gym. Big time. And I think lastly, um, especially living here, the financial aspect of it. Because, um, well, you know, when you're at that level, you're probably buying quite a few supplements, which are not cheap here. Then you've now got to think about your international flights because there there aren't uh, many sort of local bodybuilding competitions. And the show payments. The show payments. If you need a visa, and you know, as we've been saying, to get federation registration. That and Mm -hmm. if you want to get your pro card, you're not you're not going to be a one show wonder. No. A lot of these guys (laughs) do circuits, so they'll go from one show to the next. So. Again, coming from here, if, if you know you were really after your pro card, you would probably have to take a couple of months off from from your work and just go and maybe go to the UK states and just go from yeah. show, show it's to show. Not feasible. Well, well, for some people for some, it, is, yeah. it is feasible, but you know. But no it, one has done it. And it's hard. Yeah. yeah. The problem is in Kenya, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to talk about this because I'm not a member of the Kenyan Federation. Uh, it's a joke. And there's a lot of young Kenyans who probably pay federation memberships and stuff to be a member of the Kenyan Bodybuilding Federation. And it's a joke. You know, so it doesn't really exist joke. anymore. There's big infighting. There's no competitions. There's no... And here's the thing. There is no professional federation in Kenya that is going to get you a pro card. No. Yes, the federation will claim it helped you get a pro card. Anyone, any Kenyan who gets a, a pro card... Federation will put their hands up and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, we work really hard to help them get their pro card," which is all bullshit. Yeah, they don't they even have, pay they, for they, a taxi. They're quick to take people's credit, and I posted this on Instagram once when, yeah, I think it was Carla did well at the show, and then the Federation was saying what all the hard work they did. This is bullshit. Don't try to claim people's hard work. You know, 
if you want Kenyans to do well, sort the shit out of the federation, get some competitions, at least give people the experience before we step on an international stage. Yeah, true. Because here, you've got to go to South Africa, Dubai, UK to compete, Europe, you know, if you want to do something proper. But you can't just expect someone who's never gone to a show before to do their first show in Dubai or South Africa. You know, that's crazy. You've got to have these local shows. Yeah, to just build people's to prepare the mindset and everything. Yeah, mindset and build, make people know that they love competing because some people think they want to be bodybuilders. Yeah. And <laughs> they, they love the gym, but they, the moment they step on stage, they hate it. They, they hate don't it. like the posing. They don't like being on stage. Being you regret it. I hate posing because of, I, I don't like men's physique posing. I just don't like the forcedness of posing generally. Yeah, I would happily do plastic and spend a lot of time with choreographers and stuff and learn it like a dance. Yeah. yeah. But until that point, you know, I don't enjoy it. But I do enjoy being on stage. <laughs> I, do, yeah. I do enjoy being on stage, which is a whole different thing. Yeah. That's why I, you know, my first bodybuilding show on stage, I loved it so much that, you know, it was, I knew I would enjoy it and do it more. Yeah, that's the reason I did my first show here. If, if I, the thing, because um, Tony helped me and I had no desire to compete, zero. I hated, I, I, I really did not have any desire then. Prep for a show, I enjoyed the prepping. It was How long all, did you prep for? Eight weeks, <laughs> but I was tiny and <laughs> we did some weird keto style prep. So I was able to get leaner quickly because obviously the lower calories and then stepped on stage. Yeah. I wasn't that lean, but you know, backstage, that's where I met uh, a lot of the Kenyan bodybuilding guys. Which show was this? It was the Muscle Mania, I think 2015. What is Muscle Mania? It's another federation. It's a different federation. <laughs> yeah, there. But they also, I think, had a fight with the bodybuilding federation in Kenya. So the guys stopped doing the shows. But I, I enjoyed it. It, like, after my first show, that's when I was like, you know what? I'll take two years off, grow, and then just save up and pick a show abroad. It, yes. I was in no rush, but I knew if. If I did not like that first show, I was never going to compete. That that was like my test. Yeah, testing the waters. Yeah, and Which was good. So it's like you said, if there are more shows here and guys can use that as a, you know, somewhere to be like, I hate this or I like this. Exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing, unless you do these, and this is what the Federation should be doing, supporting little shows supporting shows where yes the federation didn't set the show up big deal like you know in the uk all the federations support each other yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and you even take every single show internationally they're all done by separate promoters you know they're very supportive um the mpc's the federation but the show promoters are individual businesses usually and they get the federation backing the problem is with the federation here it's all about fiefdoms and we don't want people to to benefit if they're not benefiting and i think that's a sad fact because yeah. the only people who lose them are young kenyan bodybuilders who there's so much more talent here it makes me sick that the federation is so shit honestly i would happily run shows here and 
you know, where you just take a lot of money to run. But, but you know, it's about getting sponsorship. We talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't need a federation. You run shows and people yeah. will learn. And it's pri- like private shows. Yeah. They, More shows. They don't like, like it. shows. So you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean they have to even pay a federation fee. Just young guys step on stage after, you know, you say these are your the categories, these are the poses, this is what you've got to wear, go get yeah. yourself ready for the show. Yeah. And, you know, it's a bit like everything. What the worst thing, and this is, a, you know, a bit of an African trait, and this is why a lot of the African bodybuilders move abroad. Take, like, William Bonac. Yeah, true. He's from Ghana originally. He's got no intention of doing, you know, being in Ghana. Mm. You know, um, Lionel Bayaki from Ivory Coast lives in the States now. Mm-hmm. Because they don't get support from the local people, like from the local federations and, and the local scene. Because too many people are trying to make their own little kingdoms and their own little revenue streams. And, yeah, you know, they don't want probably to going into politics. And this is why Kenya does bad at things like the Olympics in every sport, except for the distance running. The only reason the distance running does well is because all the top guys are sponsored by Nike. Yeah, <laughs> true. The individuals, it's not, and you feel sorry for the guys in the lesser sports because they're relying on the Kenyan government to give them money, but that money gets drained by every man along the run. Yeah. And bodybuilding's going to be no different to that. They don't, they don't help anyone. Yeah. So... I think it's down to the community to help themselves nowadays and get together and run more little shows. You know, and, and worry less about making of the money. As long as you make enough money to cover the show, I think people, you know, just need to run shows. Yep, so, you know, maybe in the future, podcast will have something. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talked about it, and yeah. I hope so. Give back, and it's good to nurture some of the local raw talent yeah yeah absolutely um so if you are thinking about bodybuilding or you you know you're interested in it i think the first thing would be to reach out to someone like andy or leon to to, just discuss it more because you know sadly there's not much here in kenya so you're really going to have to think about competing abroad so yeah get in touch with one of them and have a long-term plan in place and really think to yourself, you know, if this is something that you're going to commit to physically, mentally, and financially. (laughs) Yep. So I think that will conclude this episode of Bodybuilding. Hopefully next week we're going to talk to some Kenyan bodybuilders and get a bit more of insight into that. Um, And I think that will be really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So yeah, it's always good to know other people's journeys. Yeah. Because everyone's got a, a good story to tell, and I, 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 yeah, and I think you can learn a lot from someone else's journey. Definitely. Always. So hope you look forward to that next week and enjoy listening to this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, just send them along um, on our Instagrams or to the podcast, and we will answer them for you. All right. See you in the next episode. Yes, bye everyone.